Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another edition of Healthy Matters. Your host, Dr. David Hilden, is in studio. Good morning. Good to see you again. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. It's a beautiful January day. (laughs) It really is. That is a... That is about the average high that we're experiencing. It's like we're on January the 74th. But it's uh, it's going to be changing this week. So It's going to be a beautiful week here in the upper Midwest. At least above, in the uh, bold north. At least above 40, we, we hope. Uh, we've been talking about what's going to be on the show today. And we certainly invite our listeners to join in, as usual, by phone and by text and by tweet if uh, – if they need to, but what for those just joining us, what are we going to be doing? We're going to talk about cardiology today, about heart health, and very specifically, we're going to be talking about women's heart health. And you might ask, well, what's the deal with that? Women have a heart, men have a heart, what's the difference? Well, we're going to talk to a couple of people who know a lot more about that than I do. And so I have two guests in the show that I asked to be on some time ago, and I've been looking forward to this show for a long time because it's such an important topic. Um, uh, women's heart health. And so I'll introduce my guests. We will uh, welcome your calls and texts after we get our conversation going here. First of all, uh, in studio immediately to my left is Dr. Michelle Carlson. Michelle is a general cardiologist. She focuses on developing clinics also not only for women's health but for cancer. In fact, both my guests today are involved in our cardiac oncology program. And you're going to think, what the heck is that? We're going to talk about that as well. So Michelle um, Carlson does a little bit of work in cardio-oncology and women's cardiovascular health. She um, has an interesting um, history of where she's from. She did her school in undergrad in Missouri, but she did her medical school here at the University of Minnesota, and she is on staff here at Hennepin Healthcare. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. Good to have you here. So I'm going to talk a little, just, I said, you have a little bit of interesting history. You're from Eden Prairie. You're born in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Okay, I know there's a lot of great listeners out in Eden Prairie, but oh, yeah. that's not the interesting part. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea for about eight years. Came back when I was about 10. Do you have lots of memories of that? I, mean, can you... I do. I have a ton of memories. It was a really special place to grow up. It gives me, I think, a unique perspective on health care, especially, and the differences between healthcare in the U.S. and developing countries. I got to go back during medical school for a few months and work at a hospital there, which was really special. Nice. nice. Why did you choose cardiology? Uh, because I think the heart is fascinating. I thought about a lot of other things in medical school, and then I did some cardiology rotations and just fell in love. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually think the heart's fascinating, too. And for about a, uh, a little bit, I was thinking of going to cardiology. And then I thought, I'm aging here. And the training for a cardiologist is about an eon long. I'm telling you, it's a long time. You know, so, uh, Dr. Carlson's, I'm fairly well trained. It's like a zillion years of training after, after you go to high school, then you go to college, then you go to medical school, then you do an internal medicine residency, and then you have another several years after that, right? Correct. Three year fellowship. You're a glutton for punishment. I love it. Uh, she loves it. <laughs> To her left also um, in our studio today is Jill Jordan. I've known Jill for some years. She has a, also a very interesting history. She is dual trained in two things as well. She started out as a registered dietitian, um, um, did her training at St. Louis University, go Billikens. 
Go Bills. Go Bills. Good grief. <laughs> okay. So, listeners, if you haven't seen the mascot for St. Louis University, it's a Billiken. I don't know what it is. I don't e- know if you want to look it up. I don't know what it is either. <laughs> so, Jill did that. And then she went on for additional training in dietetics at John, none other than Johns Hopkins. Um, uh, a little bitty school out east. And then she came back to St. Louis University to get her master's um, in physician assistant work. And she is now um, in our cardiology division um, seeing patients um, and, uh, at Hennepin Healthcare. And she also, well, she's literally from Missouri, right, Jill? Absolutely. Liberty, Missouri. Lib- where's Liberty? Just north of Kansas City. Oh, so the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we have two people with a Missouri connection. I have none. All right, that's enough about uh, that's enough about our background. We're going to talk about a little bit about women's heart health, and I guess the very first question I have when I think about the topic, and uh, you can and maybe you, you could help us out with that, either one of you. Why? Why are we talking about women's heart health, and as something uh, as a as a separate subject? Why is it important? Well, I think you said it really nicely, David. Men have hearts, women have hearts, but we don't or at least traditionally, haven't spent a lot of time thinking about women's hearts. We've thought a lot about men's heart disease. But we've done a lot to try and raise awareness of that. But as far as women's heart health, they've been underrepresented in research. They've been underrepresented in the way we approach them in medicine. And for sure, when we talk about what's killing women, what's affecting women's health, a lot of us don't think about the heart. We think about different cancers, especially breast cancer. Actually, about one in 30 women are going to die of breast cancer every year, but about one in three are going to, for, I'm sorry, out of mortality statistics, 10 times more women are going to die from heart disease than breast cancer. So, so it is a true statement to say then that heart disease in women and in men is, is, um, the leading cause of problems. Absolutely. Why is that then that, that we haven't, um, focused on women's heart health? I think that might take us down a rabbit hole that we, we don't need to go Come down on, Dr. On this Carlson. Show. <laughs> I read a thing. You know, we used to use the Framingham. Well, we still use that. If for listeners, Framingham's a bit, you know, it's a place in Massachusetts, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But we used to use that for everything. You know, it, it guided everything we did in heart health, and I don't think there are any women in the study. But, but don't women's hearts act like men's? If I take the devil's advocate side, don't women's hearts work just like men's? So, in a way, but in a way. Do you have five valves or something and I only have four? <laughs> um, you're right. We both have the same number of valves. We both have the same number of chambers. We both have the same coronary arteries. But the way that those um, things interact with other things in our body, so for example, the different hormones that men and women have, it's going to affect the way the heart functions. It's going to affect, for example, when women have heart disease. It's more likely to be after menopause, so women are going to be older when they get their heart disease than men are. So I think that's one of the things that makes us more aware. Young men are more likely to have heart problems than young women. Um, but for sure, that interaction between the heart itself and the milieu that it lives in, the body, makes a difference. Yeah, I, um, I, I, have, I bet almost every listener has stories about people in their lives who had heart disease. And I remember my grandma she went in, had some oddball symptoms, and um, was told I think it was her gallbladder or something, and went home. And it turns out it wasn't. You know, it was her heart. Um, do women present differently with heart disease problems? And I guess I'm talking mostly about coronary disease here. And 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 for listeners, coronary disease blockage of the artery, narrowing of the arteries. Do women's symptoms differ from men's? 
That's something we do try to weigh, uh, raise a lot of awareness about. So the classic presentation of a heart attack is people thinking an elephant is sitting on their chest, a big chest pressure or tightness. And um, the classic sign is someone squeezing their hand over, over their chest, and that's what they're experiencing. For women, it can be quite different. They can have the classic presentation, but other symptoms might just include nausea and vomiting, headache, fatigue, feeling unwell, upset stomach, back pain. So it's not always the classic presentation, and I think that sometimes is how presentations get missed. Do you think, Jill, that that's um, – do women report symptoms differently or there literally is some there, – or is there literally some difference in the physiology that's going on? I think it's just a different experience of what, what they feel. Um, mm-hmm. And it could be related to the milieu that, that the heart is in and the hormones and things like that. So um, – Coronary disease, heart disease, heart attacks. Um, uh, you said they happen a little bit later in in women. Does that mean it's not possible for premenopausal women to have coronary disease? If only that were true. If only that were true. Um, I can think of in the last six months, just in my practice, three women, premenopausal women that have come into the emergency department with heart attacks and there, there are many women that that happens to. So just because you haven't gone through menopause doesn't mean you don't have to be aware of that possibility. So how does a woman know what, what to do then? Um, she's 40. She's premenopausal. I'm making this up. But she's premenopausal and has some queasiness, has some nausea. Um, what do we tell women to look for or when should they be concerned? So again, anything we say – it's going to vary from person to person, but right, if it feels right. like nausea you've had before, it improves with Tums, I wouldn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. If it's a persistent nausea that's different from a nausea that you've had before or it's associated with different types of symptoms, like there's numbness or tingling in your arm or your neck or your jaw, back discomfort, um, it would be very appropriate to call a nurse line. If you're feeling very unwell, it would be appropriate to call 911. Most, most heart attacks, people feel sick. Not not always, but often you'll feel very sick. So I I heard a lecture once about um, and I'm I'm getting at the point of uh, do physicians and providers um, order the same tests for men and women? That's it's kind of a biased kind of a question. I one time heard a lecture that they had actors, men and women, and they also did a racial thing, but we'll stick with men and women who who gave their their provider the exact same story, and far more often than not. Far more often for the men, the physician or the provider ordered some cardiac test, angiogram or a stress test. And for the women, they ordered that test less often for the exact same presentation of symptoms. Could you guys comment on that? Why do – are women not being listened to or, or, or is there just some bias in the medical field about it or why do you think that's the case? The disparity is real. And studies, is it? Yeah. Studies do show that um, men are – you know, treated more aggressively with testing or preventative measures. Um, even women after they do have a heart attack, they're actually given less education in the hospital and less referrals afterwards for support and things like that. I don't – it's again another – like Dr. Carlson said, a rabbit hole maybe we, we shouldn't go into. But again, those atypical symptoms might guide a physician to think of the symptoms as less severe or um, less concerning for heart disease and think it's something else. And I think also, even within the medical profession, there's a lack of awareness. We don't we think about heart disease, men. 
I mean, and it's true, more men have heart disease than women, but that doesn't mean there aren't lots of women with heart disease. Absolutely. I know for a fact, if I go in there and say I'm having a little weird kind of chest pain kind of a thing, a little, little squirrely thing in there, I'm getting it worked up. I know I am as a man. Um, I just know it. And, I'm, and I think that I'll go down the rabbit hole. I think there's just – we've got to listen better. We've got to listen to patients better, um, including especially maybe – Women. So I think we have a break. Yes, to take, we do. And then we're going to talk more with Dr. Carlson and Jill Jordan about women's heart health. All right. Let's take this break. We'll be right back. If you want to call in uh, on the conversation, uh, join in 651-989-9226 or send a text like some folks are already doing, 81807. That's 81807. 19 degrees in the Twin Cities. We're heading to 33. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this portion of uh, Hennepin Healthcare's Healthy Matters. We're talking about women's heart health, welcoming your questions uh, either by phone or by text. And as you can see, Dr. Edlin, we're getting a bunch of uh, both. So uh, we, we indeed are. Yeah. I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about preventive cardiology. I do a couple housekeeping things for people. Um, um, so while, I, while my guests think about ways to prevent heart disease, um, uh, a couple of housekeeping things. As if you've been awake, and listening for the last three months, you know that down at Hennepin Healthcare, we have a brand new era of healthcare. It started two weeks ago. Our clinic and specialty center opened. It went marvelously well. Um, we're getting, uh, it's a beautiful new facility to, in which to get the great care you've come to expect. Both of my guests in the, in the studio today are seeing patients at the clinic and specialty center. Um, it's at Athen Park downtown. You've not seen a more open, airy, art filled. Um, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. There are 650 pieces of artwork there. Um, and our, our old facility was fine, but it was built in the seventies, has a little bit of that fortress, uh, seventies fortress feel to it. The new building has a wide open, warm, airy feel to it. And you're going to love the artwork on the wall. More than that, though, you're going to get state of the art healthcare. Both Dr. Carlson and Jill are seeing patients there. You can, um, you can find out more about it a couple of ways. The way I would love you to do is, after the show or do it right now, after the show, go to myhealthymatters.org. That is the website associated with the show. I'll have links to both um, Dr. Carlson and Jill today. I'll have links to their um, uh, bio pages. We'll, we'll do a little recap of the show and you can get more information about how to make an appointment in the heart clinic. Um, that's one way. The other is to use the phone, 612-873-6963. 612-873-MYMD, and you can make an appointment at the Clinic and Specialty Center. It's just beautiful, and I encourage you to do that. Okay, a little bit about preventive cardiology. I am going to use um, one of many text messages to kind of frame that conversation. And here's one that came in that says, Is there something different that a woman should do as compared to men to prevent coronary disease? So prevention, what's important for people to know? Jill, you want to take that? Absolutely. Okay. So as you were saying, David, I my background is nutrition and dietetics. And so that was a passion of mine before becoming a physician assistant. And I found my way to cardiology because prevention aligns well with nutrition and dietetics. And there's so much that we can do to prevent heart disease. So it's really amazing the difference you can make in your lifestyle that can have make a difference down the road. The number one thing you can do to prevent heart disease is not smoke. It's that it's that simple. It makes a huge, huge How impact. Hallelujah. I've been saying that on the show and I'm unequivocal about that. I always say the best thing you can, if you're smoking, I would, that's what you should address. And I'm not, I'm I'm not saying sim- it's easy. I'm definitely not saying it's easy. I've I seen know. both of my parents struggle to quit cigarettes and 
it's a challenge. The great thing about HCMC or Hennepin Healthcare is we have a smoking cessation clinic to support patients who need to quit smoking and have struggled with the traditional means. So we have that available. And we also do that in the cardiology clinic. Good advice there. I fully support that. What about diet? Does it matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know it does, but... but Yeah, we live in a gluttonous society. We absolutely indulge. Um, we live in a fast food era. And when you think back to how our ancestors lived before there was all this heart disease going on, it was nuts and berries and fruits and seeds. And obviously, that's not how people eat these days. But the, a really great thing you can do for yourself, I tell patients, I don't want to take a lot of things away from you. Just start by adding more fruits and vegetables. Just more fresh fruits and vegetables are best. Frozen is your next best option. And so if I, put, if I put some nuts in my Doritos, is that okay? Hey, hey, <laughs> any way you can get it, any way you can get it. Other, I like that advice, though, because if you tell people, stop everything, everything that you are used to and that you like and that you have the habits of and, and, and eat pine nuts, you know, it's that's probably not going to work. But add, I like that advice of just adding some things and then maybe gradually peeling off the exactly. bad stuff. Is that we like you? to start slow. Um, often when people are coming to see us, they're overwhelmed by their health situation. And so starting with a small change like adding fruits and vegetables can be less daunting. And as they come back, we talk more about – um, choosing whole grains over processed and refined grains, um, adding those lean or those lean meats or fish, things like that, nuts, seeds, those types of things. So, so you went to advanced training to learn all about nutrition. I, I, as an aside, in medical school, I got like twelve minutes of nutritional training. I don't know if you did. Did you? Carlson? I think I got twenty-four. You got twenty-four, so they really went long. You know, they don't teach that very much to. Um, to doctors about nutrition. So I'm going to, I'm going to use Jill's knowledge because she went to a lot of training. She's a registered dietitian. Um, uh, um, all the, how, if we don't have all that training, how does someone know if the food is healthy? You know, I'm just, I'm down at the grocery store and it's, it, it's overwhelming. What's it healthy and what's not? It's super difficult and it's really hard to understand because you're getting advertisements or information from so many different sources that are telling you different things. And I think the best thing you can do really is choosing real food. So choosing raw, you know, fruits, vegetables, meats, grains that aren't processed. That's the number one thing you can do. Also avoiding sugars. Added sugars are a big hot topic. You know, 20 years ago, everyone said no fat, no fat. Fat is what what's killing us. And it's hard for people who might have heard that before to change and learn that actually good fats can actually be very good for our health, and it's more the processed and refined foods that are causing trouble. Really good advice. I love that advice. Um, Denny, um, yeah. uh, uh, do I have time to keep talking with my guests here, or should we go I to I think the what phones? we should do, I don't want to short, uh, shorten somebody's question or, or, or answers. Yeah, so why so don't let's we... go to the phones, and we'll come back. I have a couple more preventive cardiology issues to talk about, um, but let's go to the phones. All right. Uh, Pat in Minneapolis, pose your question. We'll have to take a break in about a minute, so let, let's hear your question, Pat. There's a procedure I heard of many years ago, and I think it might be ultrasound, where they look for... Uh, buildup in in parts of the neck circulation, and um, I, I'm just wondering: is that important, or did they just kind of give up on that because it fills right back up as soon as you do it? You know, I tell you what: I know you have an answer coming up, and I don't want to short to change anybody, uh, either our guests or our listeners. So, should we take a break? Let's do that. 
We will take a break. Pat, I do want you to listen. We're going to do you first. We're going to answer that question first at the, after the break. Very good. Uh, here are, again, a couple of ways to get in touch with us. That's 651-989-9226. I see one line is open if you'd like to fill it. Again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about women's heart health. 651-989-9226. Uh, I know there are a bunch of text messages. We'll get to as many as we can. That number is 81807 a few clouds in the Twin Cities. The air is calm. Our current Twin City temperature reading is 19 degrees. We expect a little bit of snow, not a great amount. Maybe about an inch accumulation later today. Maybe about the same overnight tonight. You stay tuned to CCO. Right now, 19. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters, your host, Dr. David Hilden, has a couple of special guests. And I was thinking for those folks that maybe have joined us a little bit late, uh, let's hear who you brought with you today. Absolutely. Thank you, Denny. We're talking about women's heart health with Dr. Michelle Carlson, a cardiologist at Hennepin Healthcare, and Jill Jordan, a physician assistant in our cardiology division. They see patients each and every week about um, your heart health. They see men and women, I should point out. They're, um, um, uh Men have, have heart disease as well, but today we're focusing on women's heart health, and um, we have a couple orders of business here. I want to, before we um, talk a little bit more about prevention um, and ways to stay healthy, we have a, people have been waiting on the phones a long time, and I do want to go back to the question Pat had. Just before the break, Pat called in and had a question about some ultrasound test in the neck. Who wants to manage handle that one? So, Pat, this is Dr. Carlson. I think you're talking about carotid intermomedial thickness screening. Well, that's we, a lot. It is. It's a mouthful. We have to sound important, so we have to make things complicated. That's right. You did go all that school, you know. That's right. So, Pat, that's, that's a test that's still done, maybe less so than in the past. Um, the idea behind the test is that you're trying to um, determine someone's overall risk for heart disease, stratify them into a high-risk category or a low-risk category. There are lots of different tests that we can do. We look at cholesterol. We can look at markers of inflammation in the blood. We can look at calcium in your heart with a CT scan, or we can do this carotid intermomedial thickness screening that you were talking about. Um, and what your physician chooses um, after a discussion with you is going to probably be based on your own risk factors, your own history, your family history, and what tests are available in the healthcare system that they're working in. Thank you for your call. Um, uh, Joan gets the patience award um, for waiting on hold <laughs> yes. a long time. Let's take Joan's Back call. to the phones we go. Joan is calling from Waverly with a question. Thank you, Joan. What is your question? Well, my question is I have heart, is I have heart issues, and I do know that I have two valves that are involved, and I've been in AFib for something like 30, day, 30 years. What causes that? What causes uh, atrial fibrillation? Great question, Joan. If I knew the answer, I could retire. Um, So we know there are lots of risk factors for atrial fibrillation. Some of them are things like high blood pressure, diabetes, unfortunately being a woman, um, and valve disease itself, if it's severe enough, can contribute to atrial fibrillation. That might be the case for you. I don't know. Um, but also aging, as as the population ages, up to 30% of people will develop atrial fibrillation. Uh, the um, it, So basically many things can cause atrial fibrillation, bottom line. Did her valves 
lead to the AFib or the AFib lead to the bad valves? I know you can't say in an individual, but which? It can can go either direction. Um, So sometimes if someone has, for example, something called mitral stenosis or uh, mitral valve prolapse, that can lead to atrial fibrillation. Alternatively, if you have atrial fibrillation for a long time, that can make the top chambers of your heart remodel in a bad way, and that can lead to leakage of those heart valves. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk a little, back to the subject we were talking about before the break, and that's about how to stay healthy. And if um, the text lines are any indication, um, people are really interested in that. A couple – I'm not. A, I'm going to consolidate a few of these text questions about cholesterol, and then I want to talk about – exercise, and then I want to talk about stress, those three things. So let's start. Um, if somebody could answer, what what is the current story on cholesterol? Um, uh, what should people know about your cholesterol? What should they do about it? Maybe say a little bit something about the treatments of it. Who wants to tackle that? So cholesterol is a, has a storied story, long and storied story. Um, right now, what we discuss with patients is going through your, knowing your numbers. It's always good to know your numbers because they can – kind of correlate with your your risk of heart attacks and strokes in the future. The two main types of cholesterol we like to talk about are HDL and LDL. We think of your HDL as your healthy or happy cholesterol. It's protective, so a higher number is better, especially um, for women. It, it can be extremely protective. And your LDL, I always refer to as your lousy cholesterol. And lousy and happy. Yep. Your HDL is your happy, your LDL is your lousy, and you want it to be, to be low. So the lower that number – um, the more protective it is. So, you know, over the 10 years we've been on the show here a decade, I've given people all kinds of advice that seems to change a little bit over every about three or four years. There seems to be some new guidelines. Statins are going to save your life or statins are going to kill you or you should every, they should be in the water supply or they shouldn't be. Where are we now? Uh, and the reason I'm bringing that up because somebody else um, has a text message that says, should I still be on my statin? So again, this is going to depend on you individually. So we, we think about cholesterol. As Jill says, it's important to know your numbers, but not just your cholesterol number, all the other numbers. If you have diabetes, what's your sugar control? If you have high blood pressure, how high is it? How well controlled is it? And we put that cholesterol into the whole equation to help decide whether or not you need a cholesterol medication. There are different risk calculators that we can use to help make that decision. All right. That's cholesterol. The second of the preventive things, let's talk about exercise. So Denny and I have talked about exercise for some years. Yes. Because I run. I'm a runner and I do marathons and the like. And Denny, what was your comment is, uh, you know, it can't be that good for you. No, it's bad for you. You (laughs) Walk. You don't need to run unless you're being chased by a tiger. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about exercise in the role in keeping your heart healthy. Absolutely. So any way you like to move, whether it be running or walking or swimming or biking or Tai Chi, um, keeping your body active is an important uh, way to prevent heart, heart disease and strokes down the road. Right now, the recommended amount is about 150 minutes of moderate intensity um, exercise. So what do you what do you call moderate? Yeah, that's a relative term there, right? Jill. And if you're doing high intensity, you can do 100 minutes or something like that. Um, so just getting your your um, heart rate up, getting things going, um, not not taking a slow leisurely walk, but maybe trying to walk a little bit faster or bike or again anything that gets your body moving. When you say 150 minutes, that's a week. week yeah, or week, that's not a yeah. day. No. We're off the hook, Denny. Denny's doing that. Yeah, yeah. Denny's doing the 150 a day. I know you are. Of course. Which is really easy. It's about 
20 to 30 minutes a day, and you don't have to do it all at once. You could do 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. It's cumulative over the course of a week. I'm going to segue a little bit. You talked about Tai Chi. I also know, Jill, that you, you're into yoga, as is a lot of people. Um, uh, there's a whole bedroom in my house we call Studio B in which one of the members of my household, who is not speaking at this moment, does, uh, does, a, does yoga and Tai Chi. And is there a role for some of those kinds of activities in staying healthy? Absolutely. Another risk factor for heart disease is stress. Um, stress and sleep are also important ways to prevent heart disease, so keeping your stress levels low. So Tai Chi and yoga are a form of movement that can be great but also can help manage manage stress. So a lot of people, and I'm, a, I'm 100% supportive of this, do those activities because it makes them feel better in their life. Is there any science? Is there any um, uh, evidence that, that they might help? Your heart specifically. Abundance of evidence that (laughs) yoga can help the heart, especially when it comes to controlling your blood pressure and also treatment of heart failure. There have been numerous studies um, that I've actually gone down the rabbit hole of of lately as we try to develop a program at Hennepin Healthcare for yoga for our heart failure patients. There's a lot of evidence that it improves um, quality of life for those patients and actually can help improve their um, pulmonary status, the amount of oxygen they breathe in with each breath when they're exercising. Great. Um, so um, what strikes me is about this whole um, conversation we've been having is that you two have both talked about uh, things that are medications and, and the, the, the medical system, but you've also talked about things that people can do in their life about their um, uh, about um, diet and exercise and stress reduction. And it sounds like um, both of you are, are, are so good at, at focusing on people's whole lives, not just um, – um, Pills, but there probably are a role for for some uh, some uh, pills and medications. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit about blood pressure if I could. And that one just came um, in on the text line. And it's about um, what about um, blood pressure? Mine fluctuates. One thirty over eighty four. One fifty over eighty five. I guess the specific numbers aren't important, but it usually goes down um, to, into the one thirties. I'm in my 60s and I'm a bit overweight. Are my blood pressures okay? So we don't, we're not going to be able to get specifically about this person's blood pressure, but what about the role of that, um, particularly in women? So the issue with high blood pressure is it not only affects the heart, but it can also increase your risk for stroke. It can increase your risk for kidney disease. And then in the heart, it can increase the risk both for heart blockages and for heart failure. So I think blood pressure control is really important. Now, blood pressure for every human being is going to vary over the course of the day. It's going to vary depending on what you've, what activity you've just done. It's going to vary upon whether you were sleeping or running or sitting. So um, if you have a single elevated blood pressure you know, take a deep breath. We look at what the average is, and then how, that helps us decide whether you need medications or not. Tell you what, we always need to take a break about this particular time. Let's do that. A quick break. We'll come back. We'll jump back on the phones and more text messages here on Healthy Matters. In the Twin Cities, skies are mostly cloudy. Our temperature reading 20. We'll be right back. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. We're talking about women's heart health and uh uh, Dr. Hill, we do have uh, uh, callers on the line. Let's let's get to Kathy, who's been waiting there. Kathy is calling from Apple Valley. Kathy, we're all listening. What's your question, please? Good morning. Um, excited to hear about the oncology and heart um, background with Dr. Carlson, and that really prompted me to call. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on if you've had breast cancer and have had radiology, um, radiation as one of your treatments, 
what are your odds of that affecting your heart? Kathy, I didn't even pay you to call in right at that moment. But what we do want to kind of segue into is cardiac oncology. Can um, Dr. Carlson, do you want to take that and answer Kathy's question and talk a little bit even more about what that whole field is? Yeah, thanks for calling in, Kathy. So cardio-oncology is um, the intersection between cancer treatments and how that affects your heart risk. Um, so little-known fact, most women that have breast cancer now are more likely to die of heart disease than of breast cancer, and that's partly because we're able to treat them. They survive the breast cancer, and then they go on to develop heart disease, but also some of those treatments for breast cancer can increase the risk of heart disease. So thinking specifically about radiation, it depends on which side of the breast you have cancer on. If you're if it's on the left side and you get radiation there, it's more likely to affect the heart. We've also gotten way better at protecting the heart from the radiation, directing it very specifically to the affected area. Um, but there is a small increase in your risk of um, blockages in the heart arteries as well as diseases of the heart valves in the future after you've gotten radiation therapy. So you and Jill, both of you, are, are um, involved in our cardiac oncology program. It is a burgeoning field. It's a um, growing field. What will that mean? Like what kind of patients will you see at Hennepin um, in, that, in the cardiac oncology program? We're really excited that Dr. Carlson has joined us and that we've started to develop a relationship with our comprehensive cancer center to see these patients. A lot of the patients we see are patients who are undergoing a chemotherapy that might have an impact on the heart. So even before they start their treatment, they're referred to us to, for a risk assessment and to say, what can we do to protect the heart during this very important therapy for their cancer? So, so – Oh, so the uh, a case would be a woman's got breast cancer, is um, considering chemotherapy, is considering radiation therapy, both which have effects on the heart, and you would see them before they begin those treatments? Is that what you're saying? Ideally, and we can't always do that. Sometimes things go a little bit faster than we're able to do, but there are therapies that we can use to support the heart um, prior to or in the middle of, of their chemotherapy. And there's not just breast cancer. There's other cancers as well that the chemotherapy agents can have effects on the heart. Absolutely. And I would agree with Jill's use of the word support. We're not here to tell your oncologist, no, don't give that medication. You need that medication to treat your cancer. We're here to support the heart, to protect it as much as we can while you get the treatments you need. I, I find that fascinating. I think it's absolutely fantastic that you're developing that program intentionally, so um, both of you. So thank you for that. If you are wondering who we're talking about, cancer in your heart, um, or if you need a cardiology um, relationship uh, um, uh, for your other heart disease, um, you don't have to be a woman. Both Jill and Michelle Carlson see men and women, but they have done a great job in promoting, um, the two of them, in promoting women's heart health in particular. Um, if you want to make an appointment, if you want to meet them, if you um, uh, they are seeing patients at uh, the Clinic and Specialty Center um, at Hennepin Healthcare, the number for that is 612-873-MY-MD, 612 612- Eight seven three sixty nine sixty three. I also encourage you to go to myhealthymatters.org. Just take the name of this radio show and put the letters my in front of it, myhealthymatters.org. This coming week, I'm going to ask um, 
both of my guests if they wouldn't help answer some of the numerous text questions that we received today but didn't have time for. So if you sent a text message in, or even if you didn't, I encourage you in the coming week to go to myhealthymatters.org and look for their responses. Um, they've agreed to put um, some short answer responses to your text messages. In the meantime, you can go to myhealthymatters.org right now. There are loads of um, other posts um, I've done quick tips about angina. That's a heart um, problem about the flu. I've done stuff about the shingle shot, about stroke. And um, that's at myhealthymatters.org. I encourage you to go and subscribe by email. Do we have time for a couple more? Okay. We're going to do a couple more text questions. Um, earlier you said, one of you, I can't remember which, that sometimes when women are having a heart attack, they have back pain. Somebody is asking, where would it be? Where in the back? Different for each woman, but the most common place I've heard is between the shoulder blades. Between the shoulder blades. Okay, that's good. Um, here's another one that says, My 82-year-old mother suffered a cardiac arrest this past Friday and did not survive. Um, and to the text message, I'm sorry that you lost your mother um, just a few days ago. To, to one of you, how does a cardiac arrest differ from a heart attack? Great question. So sometimes a cardiac arrest is a result of a heart attack where there's a blockage in the heart arteries. That can then cause an abnormal heart rhythm, and that is usually what causes the person to die. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Um, here's another text question that says, sometimes at night I can feel my heart pound hard. Should I be concerned? That's a really common thing we hear, especially when patients are laying on their left side. They can feel their heart beat a little bit harder. Sometimes it's just that we're quieter at night. We're more in tune with what our body is doing. Um, unless it's racing or skipping a beat or you feel dizzy at that time, usually it's just normal. The rest of the text questions we're not going to get to, but again, go to myhealthymatters.org in the coming weeks or in the coming weeks, in the coming days, and um, we will um, try to have your responses to that. Um, I want to thank both of you. The hour goes quickly. We don't get to everything. I've been talking with Jill Jordan, physician assistant and registered dietitian um, um, uh, uh, who sees patients in our cardiology clinic and Dr. Michelle Carlson, who is a cardiologist at Hennepin Healthcare. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, David. Thank you. It's been great having you on the show. We'll have them on again because we have a lot more to talk about, um, about uh, women's heart health and heart health in general. And again, could you repeat the number if folks want to get in touch uh, with our guests? Absolutely. If you need to make an appointment, the number is the same, 612-873-MYMD, 612-873-6963. And uh, they're seeing patients at at the... Brand new clinic and specialty center from Hennepin Healthcare right here in downtown Minneapolis. Um, people ask me all the time. The answer is yes, we have great parking. Yes. People ask that all the time. They do. You can That's park important. underground. You can take the elevator right to your clinic. You never have to see the snow. Quickly, what are we going to be doing next week? We're going to do an open line show. Think of your questions and I'll be answering them. Very good. In the Twin Cities, it's 20 degrees here on CCO. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.